Hello, my name is Randy. Good to be with you all. I don't refer to this uh, very often, but just as a reminder, I'm sure you bump into it in your program if you get one, but I do create some opportunity for you to be able to uh, fill in the blank and take home the scripture references and the outline and would welcome you to do that so that you might have the opportunity to uh, share it with others. I've, uh, I heard a, a story one time um, from another church, another vineyard, um, woman uh, walking, I don't know if it was through a parking lot or what it was, downtown, I'm not sure what the setting was, it's been a long time since I heard the story, but anyway, they sat down on a curb, and there was a piece of paper laying in the gutter, and it caught their eye, and they picked it up, and it was sermon notes from a local church that spoke of God's love, and uh, that individual um, welcomed God to come and meet them in that moment and time. So, you know, go out and just, you know, fly them in the air and who knows where they'll land. Anyway. Yes. Sure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it was in a library book. That's awesome. That's cool. You just never know how God can take an opportunity in a moment to bless another. And Joy talked about us uh, being set free to live on purpose. We've been talking for the last uh, weeks uh, about living life on purpose. And in light of uh, wanting to take action on what we're learning, I'd like you to just take, uh, t- turn to a person near you and share with them something that you hope to accomplish in the next few years. Turn to somebody near you and share with them something you hope to accomplish in the next few years besides leaving the building later today. And if you're not near somebody, then move near somebody. Okay, that's a good church. Thank you. We're actually going to do some other interaction uh, this afternoon. I almost said tonight, so at least it's not morning anymore. It's night somewhere. Anyway, we're going to be doing some more interaction, and I hope uh, that that will be helpful to you today. Uh, Last week, uh, in continuing this topic of living life on purpose, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, where Paul uh, declares our destiny and purpose. As followers of Jesus, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen by God before the foundations of the world. We have been called to be holy, blameless, and loving. We have been adopted as God's children. We have redemption and forgiveness for our rebellion against God. We've been given a spiritual inheritance. We are God's masterpiece created for good works that we might live our lives for the praise of his glory. The reason that we were created, the reason that we were born, the destiny that we each carry as God's children is to live our lives, not for ourselves, but for the praise of his glory. A life that exalts and lifts him up, doing good, loving others in such a way that others around us will be drawn to him. That is our purpose. Now, beyond that, there are a lot of assignments. But if people ever ask you, what's your purpose on life? You can say. It is to live for the praise of God's glory. And if you can figure out how to say that in less Christianese, let me know. Because I just can't seem to 
twisted into something kind of user-friendly. Anyway, don't spend the rest of the sermon now thinking about that for me. Think about it later, please. After that, we turned uh, to the life and teaching of Jesus to see how we're to do that. What does that look like? And we saw in the great commandments found in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, that Jesus gives us two elements of what I'm describing as living life uh, in a balanced life for him. The first one is the upward element, which has to do with our relationship with God. That's where we start. The second one has to do with the inward element, which has to do with our close relationships with others. And that, of course, can only really be accomplished well when we've got the first one uh, at least being worked on. And then in the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, Jesus gives us two more elements of the balanced life. Um, And he says that if we're going to live a balanced life, we must have an outward element to our life, which has to do with our relationships with those who don't yet know Jesus. And it's important for us to reach out to others who do not yet know Jesus and lead them into the true life, as Joy uh, prayed earlier. Um, our world is, is sitting out there in a very devastated place, many very, very hopeless. And they are waiting for you to come along and to tell them the truth, to be a witness on the witness stand of God, to turn your little light on and let it shine, so to speak. And then the fourth element, Jesus says, is that we need to learn and obey. We have to grow up. That's the forward element, which has to do with ourselves as well as uh, the coaches and spiritual leaders in our lives. Four elements that, when lived out through Jesus, enable us to live a balanced life of purpose. Upward, loving God with everything we've got. Inward, loving others the way we look out for ourselves. Outward, reaching out to those who don't yet know Jesus, leading them to him who is true life. And then forward, intentional life change, growth, maturing with the outcome of being and becoming like Jesus. This week I want to uh, talk about the upward element of loving God. But before we do that, let's invite him to help us do that. Father, as we uh, pause to think today about what does it mean to live our lives in an upward way, to uh, consider how do we uh, facilitate and, and join in relationship with you, uh, I just welcome you to help us figure that out. It is, it is a very challenging thing to love a God that we can't see and touch in the same way that we're accustomed to seeing and touching others. And so I just ask that you would reveal and manifest yourself to us as you promise and that we might today just get um, a few ideas, a few thoughts of ways uh, that we might better uh, partner and participate in pursuing you even as you have pursued us. Father, I pray for our guests that are here that they uh, would find and meet you today. That as they come and experience uh, welcome and care and conversation and someone who's interested in them, might they know that that comes from you. So lead us on. Help me as I uh, speak and share, and then as we engage and consider these things, I ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to learn and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of the most uh, significant religious questions that most religions talk about is what happens after we die, or what about heaven and hell? And perhaps the most significant question after that is how do we make sure we're going to go to heaven rather than hell? 
Most religions answer that question, whether they be Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, Hinduism. They basically answer them, live a good life and be a good person. That's the answer of most of the world's religions. The Bible, too, addresses uh, these questions by talking a lot about eternal life and how we get it. But the Bible's answer is quite a bit different than other religions. Let me give you the six elements of what I would summarize to say be what the Bible tells us about this topic of heaven and hell and how do we get it. Firstly, the Bible tells us that no one is good enough to earn their way to heaven in contrast to most of the world's religions who would suggest that. Now, some, of course, give you the opportunity to try it over and over again through reincarnation, and that's kind of cool. You know, if you don't make it this time, then maybe you can make it next time. The trouble is what happens when you come back as the ant instead of the, you know, the, the, just the other lower form. You come back as your dog or something. You know, that'd just be a little challenging. But anyway, at least, you know, there's, at least you don't get only one time to try. Anyway. Number two, the Bible tells us that the consequence for our rebellion and sin is that every person is deserving of eternal death and separation from God. I've given you some uh, Bible references there. You'll find them in your notes as well if you want to look them up um, at another time. And then thirdly, the Bible tells us that God loved us, though, so much he cared for us in such a way that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who dying on the cross took upon himself the penalty for the sin of all of humankind. So none of us are good enough. We can't earn it. But God loves us sufficiently that he himself came to engage the situation to make a way by which we could experience eternal life. Fourthly, the Bible tells us that the means to experience eternal life comes through trust and belief in Jesus and what he did. Fifthly, that this belief is not enough, that the Bible also says that we must publicly declare our belief in Jesus, our commitment to follow him. And one of the ways that we do that is by talking and sharing with others, as we've touched on already today. And another way is through baptism. And then sixthly, one of the most startling things about eternal life, we learn from Jesus in John 17, where he says, this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. While eternal life does mean to live forever, while it does connotate to live with God forever, which would include the afterlife in heaven, Jesus says eternal life is to know God and to know his son Jesus. I would suggest then that eternal life is not only about life after death, with God in heaven someday, but it is also about life in relationship with him now, while we're here on earth. The word to know in this passage is not to know about. It instead implies a deep relational knowing, even as a husband and wife would know each other. But what does that look like? How how do we do that? having been created to love God and to live for the praise of his glory, having come to know that the only way to him is through Jesus, having come into faith in God through Christ, having committed to love and follow and serve him as our Lord and King, how then do we enter into this relationship with him, a God who we can't see and touch in the way that we're accustomed to touching and seeing others? 
I think we would all agree that there is a big difference between what we might call surface relationships and deep relationships. It's possible to be around people all day long and still be lonely. The idea of walking through a mall and yet feeling alone, uh, very uh, well known by most of us, I suspect. Unfortunately, most people live in a world of superficiality, live in a world of unfulfilling relationships, shallow relationships. But God's plan for life involves us knowing him and others in close and loving ways. Instead of our relationship with God and others being distant or aloof or indifferent or formal or limited, God's intention is for them to be personal, deep, caring, affectionate, and warm. That we would experience intimacy. And so I want to spend uh, our time this afternoon seeing what the Bible has to say about intimacy of relationships. And I want to uh, uh, apply these understandings to our relationship with God. And then next week, I want to apply these understandings to our relationships with one another. I've taught this material before, 10 years ago. Um, Most of you were not here then. There are some of you who were. And I would uh, encourage you, as uh, as we look at this material and consider these things that previously, perhaps, we've only considered in our Uh, sort of horizontal relationships that you would walk with me in this journey of how do we do this in our relationship with God. There's three Hebrew words for intimacy. First is yada. It means to know. It's about intimate knowing. And it says, I love you. Jeremiah 1.5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. For intimacy to occur, we must know the other person. And this knowing must go beyond surface issues to issues of the inner person. Clearly, we're aware of times and situations where God has made himself clearly that he knows us. Uh, I've had personally uh, a number of encounters where he has spoken to me, not in a verbal way, but in my mind, where he has spoken to me by name, Randy. Will you be a senior pastor? Randy, will you plant a church? Those were the questions he asked me in 1994. 1984, he said, Randy, I need shepherds. I said, I don't want to be a senior pastor. That's why 10 years later he had to ask me again. That went on. I've told that story before. God knows us. The question is, how are we to know him? How do we do that? What does it look like to know God? And so to practice and to consider that, I want you to get in groups of two or three again, and I want you to interact with that. What does it mean? What does it look like to know God intimately? How do you do it? What's it look like? Go.
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. Good job, church. The second Hebrew word for intimacy is sod, and it means to reveal, to disclose. It's about vulnerable disclosure. It says, I want you to know me. The first, yada, has to do with my interest and my desire to know you. The second has to do with my willingness and ability and vulnerability to allow you to know me. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. God is a disclosing God. He is a revealing God. He sent his only son that we would know what he is like. For intimacy to occur, we must not only know the other person, but we must also let them know us. We must reveal ourselves to them. This involves being vulnerable, transparent. So again, God has done that with us. What could that look like to do that with him? What could it look like to disclose or to reveal to God who we are? Try that one now in your little groups. Now, I make you work today. You know, I mean, there's one thing. You come in here, you know, and I just talk and you all fall asleep. You're going to partner here. I'm not giving you all the answers. Okay, the, the, the sounds are dulling. Just a minute. How many of you struggle with the issue that God is sovereign? He knows everything. That, that have any? Cl- only one. Cool. All the rest of you got it all worked out. Cool. Sorry, Blake. We'll have to talk later. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed one over here. I was down the aisle. So, oh, we got another one over here. Do I see another hand? Do I see another hand? There, I see another hand. <laughs> no. What do you think is the answer to that? Those of you who didn't have the question. Bill? I'm sorry? Okay. Why is that important? I mean, he already knows. What's the point? You've got to raise your hand around here. You just can't talk. Sorry, i got one right here. Yes, I am. Amen. I like that. I mean, it's kind of chickens out of the point. I, in fact, I heard this. Clara's reading a, a book by Bill Hybels that he wrote some time ago, and he's talking about as uh, she was sharing with me a particular section having to do with his devotional time, and um, particularly that he's writing out his prayers on a daily basis to, to help him. And then particularly in the area of confession, he says them out loud to God. And they're specific 
rather than simply, God, please forgive me for all my sins. Amen. Good night. To begin to name and list those ways that we have hurt him, offended him, or hurt and offended others, can, it, it can make us a little uncomfortable to agree, to say, oops, I did it. And so I, this element of sharing with God what we're feeling, you know, I, I, uh, I struggle with this one. I just really want to be vulnerable with you about me. Um, I just, you know, it's hard for me to just say to God some of the hurts and pains I'm experiencing. I don't know why. I don't know what's up with that. I can say it to humans at some level, but for some reason it's like I shouldn't bother him with that or something. I'm not really sure. I don't know. All right, third word um, in the Hebrew about intimacy is sakan. It means to be of use or service. It's about caring involvement and it says, I care about you. Psalms 139, 1 and 3. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You are acquainted with all my ways. That is the motive behind the knowing of another person. We want to know someone so that we can be lovingly and caringly involved in their lives. In our community group, we often use share questions, share exercises, the opportunity to get to know one another better. And they're fun. And they're often light and they're used kind of in a light way. But they ought to go to another level, which is simply, okay, I've heard that about you. And that gives me an opportunity now to come and enter your world, whether it be comfort, if, if there was a sadness that was shared, or a joy to celebrate something that was good. So, sakan, to be of use. Intimacy defined. If we're gonna, going to define intimacy in relationships... Then and incorporate these biblical understandings we might say. Intimacy is deep, mutual self-disclosure to which the response is communicated care. And again, if you would, as, as we look at this and consider this, how does how this work with God? Again, we've thought about these things in the past, for those of you who are familiar with this, about our horizontal. How does this work in our vertical? Deep. It's not shallow. It's not superficial. It's not, thank you very much, God, nice day. It's mutual. Both parties are sharing. There is a a mutuality. This afternoon, as I had my devotional time and I wrote out my prayers, um, I finished it all up and had read Scripture and had interacted with the Scripture. I had prayed and brought to God uh, declarations and praise and supplications, confessions, and closed my little journal didn't feel done. Just kind of felt like, I mean, I, in my mind I said, okay, I finished. But something was missing. And then this little creeping thought, how about mutual? That's what you're teaching about today, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you think maybe you want to say something to me? What a concept. I thought, okay. And so I, I just sat there, closed my eyes, because... I'm a picture guy. I'm totally distracted by stuff around me. That's why I close my eyes when I'm teaching, so I'm not you know, distracted by you guys. These are fake. You know, these glasses have the eyeballs, so you think I'm looking at you. Anyway, immediately, this little rolling communication of God speaking to me about his love for me and his care 
you've chosen me. And I, and I, and I, I reached for my journal to sort of write it down. You know, to, I don't know, just because I'm taught to write it down. You know, I've got a lot of education, right? And I, I, no, just listen. So I just paused again and, and came this just this sharing of God's care for me. And it, it, it's hard for us to listen to God. And, uh, but that's a part of this. It's a mutual sharing. It's mutually disclosing. God disclosing to us and us disclosing to God. It's about others knowing who we really are as well as knowing them. There's a response in intimacy. There's an action. There's an interaction that needs to take place. It's communicated. There's a verbal and an action-oriented response. And I think this is uh, one of the challenges here with intimacy is that I, I think we sort of think often we take for granted that, you know, those that we're closest to know we love them, right? Husbands and wives, daughters and sons, parents. Of course my, my close ones love me. And close they know that about me. But I, Claire and I have this little thing that we do through occasionally in the day. Have I told you I loved you yet today? And I don't think I have yet today. So, Claire, I want to tell you I love you. I think there's something valuable about pausing and to say to God, I love you, and to listen for him to say it back. Because, of course, that's the appropriate response to I love you is I love you too, Right? So if we initiate, guess what we might hear him say? Really, I think you're a jerk. No, I don't think that's what he's going to say. I think he's going to be so thrilled that you paused in your day to check in on him that he might just bubble over and spill over on you. Anyway, intimacy, communicated, care. There is a contact and involvement. Poet Shel Silverstein wrote a poem entitled The Little Boy and the Old Man that I believe paints a picture of this definition of intimacy. In it, he portrays a young boy talking to an elderly man. The boy says, sometimes I drop my spoon. I do that too, replies the old man. I often cry, continues the boy. The old man nods, so do I. But worst of all, says the boy, it seems grown-ups don't pay any attention to me. Just then the boy feels the warmth of the wrinkled old hand. I know what you mean, says the old man. There's a definition, there's an understanding about intimacy being deep, mutual self-disclosure to which the response is communicated care. So far this afternoon, we've looked uh, at some biblical understandings for intimacy. We've gotten a definition. I'd like to conclude by looking at what are considered and called four ingredients of intimacy. And again, Please, where we're headed today is let's consider these relative to our vertical relationship with God. And we'll have some more sharing as we go through. Four intimacy ingredients. Deep knowing in relationships doesn't just happen. Uh, It's amazing how many young uh, people as they approach marriage just have this totally amazing thought that marriage is just going to be easy and you know just once you're in it's all you know it's just great after that we uh, Claire and I do uh, she primarily now but I used to do a lot of premarital and we use a tool uh, an assessment tool where we uh, that's a psychological kind of created thing it's been being used for 40 years probably now and in it, it it asks a whole battery of kinds of questions 
questions, and, and one of the arenas that the questions are has to do with sort of expectations about marriage and roles and things. You can imagine that. It is the norm for there to be disparity between those two and to need work because way too often we're just, just oblivious to that it's going to take work, and then when it does, we go, what is this? Wait a minute. I thought this. I thought you loved me. What in the world are you doing mad at me, right? Anyway, so it takes work. Relationships take work. So does our relationship with God. The first ingredient in developing intimacy in our relation in relationships is affectionate caring, which says, "I care." about you. The Apostle John tells us in 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Affectionate caring involves several aspects. First, I want to know you. We've touched on that. To care for someone, we have to know them well. We need to get to know their strengths, their weaknesses, their gifts, their talents, their needs, their pains, their dreams, aspirations, fears, likes, dislikes, and any other information that contributes to making this person the unique and special person that they are. We've touched on this, of course, already in our relationship with God. We need to know him. And I hope that in your little groups you now know what it's going to take for you to know God better. I hope that worked out earlier. You got it all got it right? That's good. All right. Secondly, there's the element, I want to enter into your world. People feel especially cared for when we enter into their world, particularly when doing so may inconvenience us and when it requires a sacrifice on our part. This will require us investigating and inquiring into what their unique world is. Real simple uh, example of this is uh, all of my children at one time or another, my daughters have participated in whether you know, ballet or music or things of that nature. And it has been um, a strong interest and desire whenever possible to be present at those events. I wasn't at all of them. Neither was Clara. But it has been our intention and our doing a lot of those. And that's, that's a part of entering the world. But entering the world can also be as simple as a debrief at the end of the day after school for our kids or with our spouse or even with a friend. Tell me, how'd your day go? So at the dinner table, on occasion, we use a tool called sharing a highlight or a low light so that we can know one another, so we can enter one another's world. And in those times, we get to hear what's happening in their life. So I want to enter into your world is another element of this first ingredient of I want to know you. And then thirdly, excuse me, I have affectionate caring. Uh, a third element of affectionate caring, I'm available to you. We must be on call for those that we care about. We must be willing to develop our plans and spend time as necessary to connect with them and to meet their needs. I'm available to you. I mean, if you just pause for a moment and just imagine between you and God, what does that look like? What could that look like? I mean, what could it look like to be available to God? That's a part of what it means to have an intimate relationship, to be affectionately caring. Even the entering 
of his world? What would it look like to enter into God's world? I mean, he, he's, he's, uh, he's quite involved with our world, and to enter in his world might be a big job, but I don't think he expects us to do everything he's doing, just to enter it. What's that look like to enter his world, to be available to him? And then the fourth, uh, this fourth element of the affectionate caring, I think about you and I want to be with you. When we genuinely care for another individual, they're frequently on our mind and we want to be with them, especially when we know of times of stress and difficulty. A second ingredient in developing intimacy in a relationship is vulnerable communication. We've touched on this already which says, I trust you. The Apostle Paul says to his close friends in Thessalonica, so deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very own lives, because you have become very dear to us. This is where we initiate being known in a deeper way. We've said there's a difference between surface communication, vulnerable communication. Surface communication is, you know, headline kinds of things. News, sports, weather, general stuff. How was your day? Fine, thank you. And yours? Okay, what's for dinner? No real engaging at a level. No real entering into the world of, you know, what happened today at work or at school. Vulnerable communication, however, involves issues of the heart, sharing of feelings, fears, weaknesses, hopes, things unique. How was your day? I really struggled today. I was overwhelmed with fear and insecurity. And then an appropriate response back. I'm really sad about that. I want to be there to help you in those times. Vulnerable communication is based upon several things. First, I'm willing to share with you from my innermost being, my deepest thoughts, emotions, and convictions. Now, I recognize and understand that that is a challenge in our relationships with one another because how many times does information we share with others get used against us? That's why trust is so significant here and forgiveness. But as we consider God, who isn't going to use these things against us, What could it be like to simply sort of bare our souls and just tell him what we're thinking? Whether it be about us or him or his world or the pain or the joys, whatever it is. To just simply get real with God, vulnerable with him. I'm willing to share with you from my innermost being. When I vulnerably share with you, I trust you not to think less of me because of what I share not to use the information against me, to be confidential. And then thirdly, I need to sense your vulnerability with me. Um, I've shared before, I'm a pretty vulnerable person. Some people tell me I'm too vulnerable, but something I've found is that uh, as I am vulnerable, it facilitates others to be. So that is the second element, vulnerable communication. A third ingredient in developing intimacy and relationships is joint accomplishment, which says, I need you. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. A special bonding takes place when we do something together. Relationships are deepened when we share and work together. I'm thoughtful of the, the times in our own church where we have had times where we've come together for special things, whether it be to build a stage years ago, whether it was to move just recently, whether it was to do the Easter 
uh, gig that we all did together. This coming July, uh, 19 people are participating in a short-term missions outreach to Costa Rica, uh, 15 of whom are from our church. And as we work together there and pray together and struggle together and rejoice together, maybe even cry together, there's going to be a profound bond that's going to happen to that team. And as we come back, there's going to be, have been a deepening of relationships. This summer, our youth will be having a three-day summer camp to Lake Brownwood like we did last summer. And again, in that kind of a, a setting, there's this um, joy of, that happens in relationships. You play together, laugh together, worship together, study, hopefully ski, tube together. And there's just this fun. I, I shared with um, those many of you who aren't, weren't here then, but one of the guys from our church uh, bought a three-person tube that he could pull behind his ski boat. And I did it quite a few times. And uh, usually I was, because I was taller and bigger, I was the guy in the center. And then often I would have youth on either side of me. And uh, it, it was just a blast. I remember, uh, I remember the time that... Uh, we were scooting along, and, and Jim Roberts, who's back there in the sound booth, just all of a sudden was up in the air about six feet. And we went forward, and he stayed back there. <laughs> we watched him go. It was, it was just a blast. It was very, very fun. And so we need these kinds of opportunities, working together, of course, actually doing events together, doing a small group, doing an outreach together. All these kinds of opportunities create a way that we are connected. Joint accomplishment is enhanced by the following attitudes. I enjoy spending time with you. It's satisfying to do things together. I realize I'm not complete without you. Therefore, I need you. I'm willing to walk with you through the hard times as well as the good. Sounds easy. But what might that look like with God? Turn to your friend or your little clusters. What might it look like for you to experience joint accomplishment with God? How do you do that? Think, talk about it. And then I'm going to ask for some of you to share with me what you talked about. Okay, I'm going to ask for input. Now, here's the rules. I share this in my small group every week, and, and then they, they just do whatever they want to do. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you to share one way that you could experience joint accomplishment with God. Please do not give me three or two. Just give me one that allows others to share something maybe that you might have said, and when you say it for them, that they don't get a chance to share Got that one? Bill, you can wait. Somebody else first. Let's do some 
folks, what does joining conflict, what could it look like? Okay. 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 So knowing his will and responding to that uh, brings into an alignment, a connection with God. That's good. Cool. Becca? Okay. So whether we're in a ministry setting or whether we're at work or talking to our neighbor, um, being alert and welcome to God speaking to us about this individual and to be able then to partner with God by actually giving an encouraging word or saying something that could help them. That's cool. Somebody else. Patience. How does that how does that partner with God do you think? Okay. So in the area or arena of prayer, having paid God by continuing to pray, there's passages of scripture on prayer that speak of continuing to ask and to seek. And we're partnering with him probably in a transformation of our own hearts as we do that, I would imagine. But uh, that's good. Thank you. One more. Okay, Bill, we'll let you go now. Okay. Okay. Now we have to know that uh, that Bill is uh, a full-time missionary with Campus Crusade for Christ and works with military personnel to share the gospel with them. So that is his passion, it's his ministry, it's his gifting, but it is as well the Father's heart. Uh, Peter says it is God's will that none would perish. And so as we come into alignment to share with others about the good news, we're partnering with God with his love and his will. All right, then um, the last one, that we'll discuss here, a fourth ingredient in developing intimacy and relationships is mutual giving. It says, I love you. Mutual giving is the essence of genuine love. It joyfully says, I'm going to concentrate on giving to you and not to take from you. I find greater happiness in your happiness than my own. That's a definition of true love. Deep intimacy is expressed in sacrificial giving and care. Philippians 2, 3 and 5, Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So what was the mind that was in Christ Jesus? That Paul's referring to. Giving his life up for us. If you know the following verses, they go on to speak about himself, humbling himself as a servant. 
Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave up his and laid down his life for us. So here we have this concept of mutual giving, of considering the needs of God before our own. I mean, how many times during the day do we rush to supplication? God help! There's this situation, there's this problem in the world, there's this problem with my car. God help! You ever thought, God, how do you need my help right now? God, is there any way I can help you today? You know, God, I just got, I've got a few minutes here. Is there anything you'd like me to do? Kind of wild, huh? Whole nother arena of thinking. But if we're going to have deep, intimate relationship with God, it's going to involve us figuring out how to go beyond we're the receiver and he's the giver. It's going to have to go into this joint accomplishment, this idea that I am going to lay my life, just as Jesus laid down his life for us, so I'm going to learn to live and lay down my life for God. Amazing passage, Jesus said, you know, to be my followers, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, die to yourself on a daily basis, and live for him. And so as we consider this topic of living upward, My hope, my prayer is that we'll begin to wrestle that God is not just a distant God out there in space someday, someplace, you know, hanging out, kind of watching this from a distance. But that God is a real living person through the Holy Spirit that actually indwells in us and is interactive with us. That he is wanting to engage us. He is wanting to partner. He is wanting to talk to us. Just like today when I paused after having getting done my devotions. After I paused and said is there anything you want to say. God is ready and willing Scriptures tell us he longs to have relationship with us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Randy and I like to partner a lot. It's fun. Joint accomplishment. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to give you an opportunity to just look at those four ingredients. If you have your paper and you have your glasses on, you can remember what those four elements are. They were affectionate caring, vulnerable communication, joint accomplishment, and mutual giving. And of those four things, what is the one that you think you might want to work on this coming week with the Lord? Maybe it's not your weakest point. You know, maybe it's one that you think is important to him this week. You know, and that's what we're going to give you an opportunity to give to the Lord. And so if you all hopefully got yours picked out. Vulnerable, caring, no, affectionate, caring, vulnerable communication, joint accomplishment, and mutual giving. Thank you, honey. It is. Okay. And, you know, maybe when you had your discussion, the one that you were like going, I have no clue, was a little weak. Then I'm going to just pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you this week to help you figure out that area where you're weak. And maybe next week um, 
when we're greeting you at the door, you might say, hey, Claire, you won't believe what happened. I mutually gave to God this week. <laughs> That'll be good. Okay, let's just close our eyes. Lord, we want to be a people that are intimately known by you and intimately know you. And we know there's got to be more to you than we know. And we sometimes wonder if you really know the depths of me, but Lord, your scripture says you do. And so why the prayers? Why the journaling? Why the disclosure? Because you like hearing us talk to you. You like to hear our voice. You like that we think you want to know us. And so, Father, whatever area that we want to um, do with you intentionally this week, we ask for the source of your Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to affectionately care for you this week. Where we can say, I care about you. And Lord, we ask for the power to vulnerably communicate and say, I trust you. And Lord, this week we ask for the power from your Holy Spirit to be able to joint accomplishment. Lord, to do things together this week, saying, I need you. And Lord, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to give to you, mutually giving And be able to say to you, I love you, and I've got something from me that I can give to you. So, Lord, empower our our friends. Father, empower those who are not here this Sunday, that are a part of our church. Intervene, Lord, give them these ideas with them, even them missing it. Father, they may experience greater intimacy with you. And Father, thank you that you have already made it clear our faith is not about works. So this has nothing to do with what we're communicating now, Lord. It has nothing to do with us trying to be good enough for you. It has all to do about knowing you and being known. So Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us this week to be about you. In your precious name. Amen. Okay, now, you know, we love to pray and minister to y'all. And sometimes you walk in with some heavy things, deep concerns, problems, hurts, opportunity to pray for you and minister to you. Um, This is not the, you know, we just say thank you and goodbye. No, this is really a part of who we are. So please, if you came in here with a need that hasn't been met, or you need some support and prayer, please come forward. There's folks to pray and love to pray and minister to you. And we'll see you next week.